Welcome to another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. I've got Nick Riley from Innovate with me today. Got a great business, written over $1.2 billion in mortgages over the last 12 months, settled $876 million amongst his team. But what's most impressive about this, the average broker within his business settles around $45 million per broker. So really excited to get into this. You've won many awards, including the Better Business uh, you know, 2021 Best uh, Independent Office, many AFG awards, and you've been in the top 25 uh, brokerages around the country. So uh, welcome, Nick. Thanks, Ross. Thanks for having me, mate. Looking forward to the next hour and chewing the fat about our great industry. Yeah, I love it. It's an industry that uh, I know that you're passionate in and you give back. I, I noticed, you know, someone said something about you that what they love about you is you're still the same as you were 10 years ago, that you've got that authenticity and that you're approachable and that you're willing to give back. So um, welcome, mate. No worries, no worries, mate. Happy to be here. All right. So tell me again, I love to get the, the story. So you started the business about 15 years ago and um, yeah, tell me how you got started. Um, that's spot on, mate. So July, 2007, I, I actually got the, uh, the MFAA 15 year rec recognition certificate just last week in, in, in the post. So it's been just on 15 years. Um, I guess I fell into the industry. I, I, I didn't enjoy university or I, I didn't enjoy going to university. So I went and got a job, uh, through a friend of mine, which was, basically working as a CSM is what we would call them today or a file manager back then in, in mortgage broking did that for around 12, 18 months and then traditional um, organically moved into sales. And prior to that, I had no idea what the industry was or that it existed. Um, so yeah, definitely fell into it, but you know, through numbers and sales and I guess helping people really enjoyed it and, and, and found a love for it. Um, Unfortunately, the business that, that myself and my initial business partner were working for actually uh, went bankrupt uh, a couple of years after me starting there. So we decided, well, we have a client base here and we have a referral base. Let's just go and have a crack at it ourselves. Uh, no one's going to care because they're not around anymore. Um, and that was, yeah, that was 2007 when I was 25 uh, with not much idea about business, but knew how to write a deal. Yeah. And uh, we, we we kicked it off from there, and um, you know since then we've gradually grown and grown and grown, and you've had some exponential growth the last the last probably three or four years just based on a few changes we made. So yeah, I love it. So so that was two thousand seven. So you you know unfortunately you're in a business that went bankrupt, but you obviously saw the opportunity, and um, as I say you, you had a crack. And so who was in the business? back then in sort of 2007 yeah so it was myself and and my business partner renee at the time we were both mortgage brokers and we took with us um a csm or a file manager from from the business that went down um they obviously didn't have a job um and being as bullish as we were we decided to bring someone in um on on, on day one so there was three of us two two mortgage brokers and a file manager and i I think back now, Ross, and it's probably the best thing we could have done because it really put me in a, in the right position to understand the power of having people support you. Mm -hmm. So I, I was, I was never in that 
in that spot where a lot of people are now where they're always considering whether or not to take on support to go to that next level. Mm. I actually never knew any different and it wasn't through smarts. It was just through chance. So, you know, although we took on a, you know, a bigger responsibility than we may have wanted to at the start, it really set us up for the future and what, and what we've built today. Oh, exactly. And I did exactly the same thing in my business, you know, from day one, I, I had someone really, really good. And she ended up being with me for about 15 years. All right. And um, that first hire is so important. I, mean, I see people mm. even now and some of the people they wrestle with, oh, should I or shouldn't I? And, you know, everyone I've spoken to said, look, did you regret it? And, you know, 99 out of 100, no, right? So mm. I think it's, you know, that's a key lesson in terms of it's never too early to get that first person in. Um, so it's a matter of, you know, make you work a little bit harder to make sure you can cover their wages, right? 100%. And uh, I have a lot of conversations. You talk about giving back. I'm generally pretty open and happy to talk to people. And most of the questions I get center around either, you know, how did you grow your business and bring on, um, more brokers and actually out, you know, move off the tools or how did you take that first step into support? Mm-hmm. Um, and exactly like you said, there's no, there's absolutely no doubt that when people do it within six months time, they say it's the best thing that I ever did. And I should have done it a long time ago. So yeah, feel very grateful that we made that decision um, and didn't know any better. All right. So back to those two questions, right? Let's unpack those two questions that you get answered all the time, because I'm keen to to know the answers to those questions. So the the first one that you mentioned was, you know, how did you go about growing a, a team of brokers? Yeah, well, for me, I guess I worked out pretty quickly that I did, I wanted to build a business. So I I, I had that mindset that I wanted to build a business um, I didn't want to be a mortgage broker for the rest of my life, not because I didn't enjoy mortgage broking. I, I just wanted to be a business owner. So mm. I had that mindset from day one. So I was always thinking about how do I do that? Mm. Um, the obvious answer being is to you know work on the business and not in the business, which is the what we're all trying to achieve. Um, so I guess the first thing for me was, okay, well, I need someone who I can trust with my clients and that needs to be someone that comes into our business um, for a period of say one or two years. This this is what the thought process was Mm -hmm. that I could see the work that they did. And I was confident that they had the skills and the ability to, to deal with my clients. And then I had to find a way to, to pull myself out, but do it slowly because being the face of the business, whether it be not just with um, consumer clients, but also referrers as well, you can't just extract yourself um, from dealing with those people. There's, there's got to be a process. And the last thing is just, you've got to be prepared to go backwards in, in income. And I think that's the biggest thing. And I get a lot of people say to me, oh, what's the secret sauce? Well, there is no secret sauce. You, just need, you need to make a decision mm. and you need to be prepared for your margins to go backwards for a couple of years, mm. because that is what will happen because mm. all of a sudden, you're paying someone else to write the business and it might not be a couple of years. You're based on the fact that you can get out and bring business in as the business owner, you'll probably get your margins back to where they were within 12 months. Mm. But when you're a, a broker with maybe just some, you know, maybe one or two CSMs or support staff, it can be a highly profitable business. Mm. The minute you start bringing salespeople in um, that profitability gets, gets hurt considerably and then you've got to look at volume and numbers and, and scaling so 
the first thing is, yeah, find the individual that you're happy to look after your clients and that you think you can um, refer your clients to. And then the second thing is be prepared to go backwards in income uh, for a period of at least 12 months. And that's easier said than done, right? <laughs> you know, when you're yeah. used to earning a certain level of income, you know, having the vision of where you want to take. And I I quite often talk to people because I think this is an important juncture, right? And people mm. at different levels of growth give get to these juncture and you've got the vision that, hey, I want to create that. But at this point in time, you don't know that that's going to work, right? Mm. You don't know that that's going to work, but you know that you're going to have to take a hit in income to go to that next level and this is part of getting out of the comfort zone that a lot of brokers get to that point and they're not willing to give up something that's working for something that they may not may not work right and this um you know you say it and it sounds easy oh yeah you've got to be prepared to take but actually doing it is a totally different thing isn't it yeah it is difficult but I think as brokers, we're very good with numbers, so we can prepare. So, you know, if you just bank some money and get ready to go, you know, get ready to go backwards for a little while, not backwards, but but down. But I think if you're a, a broker and you've got yourself to the position where you're considering putting on support or you're considering putting on another broker, you've got yourself there. So you've obviously got the ability to generate business and you obviously, you obviously have a good client base because otherwise you wouldn't be at the level where, where you're thinking about that. So just back yourself like you did when you first went out to be a mortgage broker and you'll make it happen. And I think um, I actually think it's a lot easier these days than, than what it was when I did it. And the reason I think that is you've got the role that's pretty common now of what we call it in our business of a lending analyst. And, you know, that is someone who who really just sits alongside of our brokers, pretty much has the ability to be a broker, but just doesn't do the client facing um, activity. So, you know, these days you could maybe bring in a lending analyst, which, in, which could take you from maybe a 40 or 50 mil broker to a 70 or 80 mil, 90 mil broker. Someone just doing all the work, all the stuff that bogs you down so you can focus on seeing more clients. And then that lending analyst could then, become a broker in due course as they get more comfortable speaking with clients. So I think with some of the roles that we've created in the industry in the last five, six years, um, it's a lot easier now to then just going and getting a broker to come into your office, hoping they're going to work out, not knowing if they are or not. And if they don't, it can be quite detrimental to your business. So I think you can almost test, test how it's going to work with a lending analyst now yeah. um, or a credit analyst, depending on what you want to call them. Um, but that's what I would be doing now. If I did it again, I would be bringing someone in as a lending analyst, writing my absolute absolute maximum, which might be a hundred mil, and then building from there. Um, yeah, that's probably what I'd say that I've noticed lately. That's a little definitely, bit easier. Definitely, and that was you know back in the day what we did within our business, right? We got them on board. They worked their way up. They did um, that lending analyst role that that you mentioned. And then once they obviously, you know, learn the credit policy, they learn how to structure a deal, they have some experience with the process end to end, it puts them in a perfect position to move them sideways. And all they need to then learn is sales, right? And the relationship building and the, you know, focusing on the goals and dreams. 
um, is what you need to teach them at that point. But rather than trying to teach them everything at that point, yeah. you're much more likely to be successful, right? A hundred percent. And I think back, just, just listening to what you mentioned about your business, but we kind of did that really just with a mortgage broker. So uh, I had a particular broker that in the office that I'd had for a year or two, maybe I can't quite remember, but he was the one that I, that I trusted with my clients. So really what would happen is he would come into the meetings with me and he would pretty much take over the file. I was really just there um, to, to provide some comfort, um, obviously a familiar face and a, and a familiar voice, but thinking back, even though he was a, um, a qualified mortgage broker, he was really playing that lending analyst role with my clients for the first six to 12 months. And to, to the point where I just completely stepped away and, and then would handball clients straight to him. So we just didn't have the title then, I guess, but um, yeah, I just think it, it's far easier now and you're seeing more and more brokers do it as well. You know, you're seeing these brokers hit, hit settlement figures of 150 to 200 million regularly. Um, some brokers are hitting even more than that. You know, they're obviously doing that with the team. So it's more common and there's more of those lending analysts around as well. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. So let's talk a little bit more around. All right. So you've got yourself to the point where, you know, you've got that person that you sort of can trust to take on your clients and to look um, to step out and then take that management role. What were some of the lessons that you had to learn? Because you said you had no idea as a business owner, you sort of got yeah. in. What were some of the lessons that you had to learn? before mm. you sort of made it work and got the the last three or four years where you've got some steady growth at that point? Yeah, look, I, I think for me, it was almost committing to the growth, Ross. You know, it we were we were, we were organically growing, I guess. Um, you were adding brokers, you know, every year would add a couple of brokers and we're organically growing. Um, as far as learning, like... <laughs> Geez, I learn every day more and more as we become a big, bigger business. But I guess what it was for us, and it, it was four years ago in 2018, where we switched to a salary model. Mm. And that 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 was a line in the sand where we said, okay, we think we've got a really good um, offering here for brokers to come into from a support point of view with our client service managers. We we're building a really strong offshore team at the time. Um, we had some really good referral partners, but we really just drew a line in the sand and said, right, we're going to a salary model. Um, we were pretty, we were one of the few that were doing that. There's more and more doing that now, but we, I would say we were one of the first that moved to a salary model. And that was a complete game changer for us. It meant we could get in quality brokers. Um, we had a, we had an offering outside of what we provided as a business. We also provided security and, and a salary. So the big change for us was moving to that salary model in 2018. And then what I've learned from there is you, you can't, you can't continue to do what you do as the business owner and not bring people around you to continue to grow the business because, and, and this is one of the other questions I get a lot uh, for the people that have, I guess, already bought the support on that are then going to that next level in their business to, to scale it how the hell do you do that? So, you know, you can bring in one or two people or one or two brokers, but then, you know, how have you got such a big offshore team? How have you got such a, uh, a great CSM team? Well, for me, it's, it's, it's bringing in a management team. So I had to keep um, bringing in layers of management because I just didn't have the time to do it. I was very good at bringing business in, 
systems and processes were not my strength. And then when you've got a group of brokers that rely on, you know, industry leading systems and processes, I need someone who's good at that to make sure that we do that well, or it's all going to fall apart. Mm. From then we created a bigger sales team. So then we needed a sales manager. So, you know, we can, we've got these brokers performing, but how do we get them to the next level? Mm. I don't really have time to sales manage them because I'm trying to bring business in. Uh, our, our GM or Geordie is looking after systems and processes because we've got 18 brokers now. We need a sales manager. So just, I, I worked out really quickly that I needed help and I needed to understand who was skilled in different areas and then bring them into the business or promote them within the business to focus on those, those areas. So you know, we've got a leadership team now that's five strong and five of those, uh, all of those leaders. Go through the roles in those five for me. Yep. Uh, so we've got myself as a managing director. Uh, we've got Jordan Morrison, who most people in the, in the industry will know, who's our um, general manager. Um, Alex Bryce is our operations leader. So he leads the the CSM team. Uh, Marty Vitakovic is our sales manager. And Caden Williams is our key account manager. So I would suggest we've got five leaders in the business who don't generate revenue directly. Mm-hmm. And that is very unique. And I think that is where a lot of businesses in our industry go wrong. You've mm-hmm. got the 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 director that's trying to write business with support underneath them because it's very profitable to do that. And then they're also trying to build a business out. They're trying to do all these other things. And you know, I talk about going backwards when you first bring that broker in. You go further backwards when you decide to scale like we have. And it's two or three years of hard work, but the, the rewards are they they definitely do come. Um, yeah. But we we continue to add new roles that don't exist in our business every six to nine months. Um, so that's probably been the biggest learning and almost not that we've corporatized the business, but we're getting towards that corporate structure where you need different leaders um, who are only focused on making the business better, not generating revenue. Exactly. And I think, you know, what I see from that, one of the things that we talk about in the coaching program I'm part of is who, not how, right? So it's not, you know, how is Nick um, as the managing director going to do it himself? It's who can I get to do this role? Who can I get to that's expert in systems and operations to run operations? Who can I get that's a gun at sales and sales manager to manage my sales team, right? So it's that whole who, not how principle. And there's a great book Mm -hmm. for those who want to um, read that book that's all around this, right? Around you inspire the vision, you know where you want to get to and where, uh, and that's your role as the sort of the CEO of the business. But who can help you to implement these things? I think Mm -hmm. that's what you've done really key there is get, those five people in that middle management sort of level to help drive those areas for you. hundred percent. And as I said, I'm the first one to suggest that I couldn't do most of those roles. My I'm, I'm, I'm good at promoting the business and yeah, the vision and the strategy. And that's what I see my job now as a leader. And, you know, I may, I'm talk about learning. I'm doing a lot of learning myself at the moment. I'm doing courses on leadership and taking the business to the next level. And, you're exactly right. Everything I'm learning, it's all about people and it's all about giving people um, ability to make decisions underneath you, um, understanding their skill sets and you know, letting them, you know, progress and and do things, do things better than what you probably could have done. Mm. 
So talk to me on that note, how important is culture in your business? Oh, culture for us is everything, really. It's um, particularly now because, you know, there's obviously massive retention issues, not just in our industry, but in all industries in this country. So it's very hard to hire um, quality and it's very hard to retain quality. So, you know, you need to have something in your business outside of how much people are earning or how much people are writing from sales point of view. And we have, we've always really been really proud of our culture and we've always had a really high retention rate in our business ever since 2007. Very rarely do people leave our business. So it's always been a big focus for us. I guess it's become more of a focus post COVID Um, going through COVID. It was difficult to maintain culture and most people would agree with that. Um, You know, you had, all of your staff sitting at home, they weren't in the office anymore bonding. We've got a great young team and they enjoy hanging out together. So to lose that over COVID um, really made it clear how important it was. And, you know, things like little issues that aren't really issues became issues uh, because people weren't in together collaborating as a team. So for us, it was important to get culture back really quickly and, now, as I, as, I, as I discussed, with the ability or the um, inability to recruit at times, um, you really need to make sure you retain. And there needs to be something there bigger and better than income. Um, and so we spend a lot of time on creating that through wellness. Um, with, we, we, we promote wellness. You know, we've just implemented a ESG program. You know, just having a value proposition for our business that's outside of sales and numbers and 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 income. So spent a lot of time on it, mate. I guess I, I guess I rambled a bit there, but we do spend a lot of time on our culture. Yeah, exactly. And you know, one of the point, points we were going to talk about is productivity per broker, right? And yes, we can talk about productivity per broker, but you know, what underlines that, what the foundations of building a business that has productivity per broker is exactly what we just spoke about, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's about... Mm-hmm the culture that builds those foundations to be able to allow people to be engaged, to be able to write volume. So what are some of the other areas, you know, that you really support your brokers? Because, you know, 40, $45 million average settlement per broker and having 18 brokers is, is excellent, right? In terms of from mm. an industry standard. So, yeah, yeah tell me um, some of the points that allow you to, and your focus that you mentioned off air around that productivity per broker. Yeah. Well, I guess we've taken a stance that it shouldn't just be the brokers that number one, want to take risk or, you know, num- num- number two, want to work 80 hours a week that get to a hundred mil in, in, in a, in a 12 month period. And, you know, we've got a, um, it's not documented, but, you know, we, we suggest why can't we get all of our brokers to a hundred mil a year mm-hmm. and why not is the answer. And not only do we get them to a hundred mil, but let's get them there sustainably. So you know, they shouldn't have to work 80 hours a week to get there. So obviously at 45 mil, we're still a long way away, but it's just something that we continuously try and improve. So for us, we just, we challenge our brokers to go to that next step. So I guess what we say is once you get to, sort of four mil a month consistently or 45 mil a year within our normal ecosystem. And that is we have an onshore team of CSMs mm-hmm. um, and we have a, an, an offshore team of 
30 plus that that support our CSM. So any broker in our business, they will they will see the client up front and they will package the deal um, to come into the office. Once the deal comes into the office, all of the application and and whatnot is all handled then from our from our team all the way through to settlement mm-hmm. in conjunction with the broker. So the broker is still involved, still gets heavily involved when it comes to credit decisions, assisting with loan contracts and whatnot. Um, but there is just a, a general level which most businesses have now of support to see the to see the deal through to settlement once it's lodged. We've then created a couple of more roles um, beyond that that brokers can can challenge themselves and can take on individual support if they wish to. So we've got stepping stones that get the broker from 45 mil to 75 to 80 mil by taking on another level of support, which is an offshore role um, purely dedicated to that broker, which probably saves them two or three hours a day, um, just collating files, going through bank statements, putting payslips together, understanding serviceability and whatnot. And that's a role that, 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 that we give to the broker. Well, when we give that individual to the broker to work with, they're ready to go. We train them. Um, they've, they've got some knowledge and the broker will then just train them, you know, to, to fit in with the way that they do things. So we've created a role that a broker can leverage off to go from 45 to say 75 mil. And then we've created another role, which is the lending analyst, which a lot of other brokers um, are, are using, which we think will get our brokers to a hundred mil. So I guess what we're doing is we are providing the support for brokers if they want it um, and then supplying those um, those individuals to the brokers ready to go. So all the broker has to worry about is finding more clients, getting deals done. We supply the HR, um, all the recruitment and, and, and whatnot. And particularly that first stepping stone, the 45 to 75 mil, that's an offshore role. So it's actually very... Um, very cheap, I guess, for lack of a better word. So most brokers are happy to take that plunge um, mm. because there's a clear path for them to get the 75 mil at not much of a risk. Mm. Um, and that's working really well for us. And yeah. our argument is, well, what's the point of finding new brokers? We might as well keep getting our brokers to higher levels and helping them write that business sustainably. Yeah, love it. And, you know, I think for a lot of brokers out there, they hit that, you know, three or four mil ceiling, as you've mentioned there, and they get to that point where, you know, some of them cap out because they don't prepare to invest and, you know, uh, they want to control it all. And so they get, they keep stuck at around that level, right? So I think that's key that you, you help them with that first investment. And, you know, from my um studies and from what I'm working with other brokers, I, I agree, right? You can get up to that 75, 80 mil with that first person. Then the next person is that, you know, that you call it a lending analyst. Some people call it a credit analyst who people who can structure, basically structure a deal, right? So you can give them a half-baked scenario and they can go ahead and structure a deal and do the serviceability and, and come up with a, um, a solution, right? So, that person is that in-house or offshore that lending analyst that's that's in-house um that's that's someone what's it, it's in-house for the moment but we keep challenging ourselves on what can go offshore because our, our offshore team just continues to impress us really they're just next level and i think most businesses that have really invested in offshore and have an offshore team would say the same they can just continue to push stuff offshore so so for us it's um it's onshore at the moment um 
but yeah, watch this space. I guess we'd yeah. we'd, we'd we'd love to take it offshore. Not not just for cost, but just access to talent is the main reason. Um, yeah, it's yeah. it's hard to find people here. So yeah, and you know, at the moment, and I know we spoke about this, but are you growing your lending analysts to? Are they your next brokers within the sort of innovate journey, like the ones that are in house? Yeah, we th- we think so. We. We're not that far into the journey um, with with the lending analysts, um, but you know, bringing people through to to mortgage brokers is an, is a big focus for us now. Um, it hasn't been in the past. We've been able to hire, but one of the big focal points for us is okay. Well, how do we bring brokers through the business, whether they're CSMs, whether they're lending analysts? So. The CSM role has been one that we have used traditionally to bring brokers through, um, and that that's worked really well in the past. Where we'd probably bring probably two CSMs through a year of late that would then go into brokers and and go into fantastic brokers, um, the ones that we've brought 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 um, through the the system. But now that we've got the lending analyst role, that organically that will definitely happen, and that will be a focus for us. Those that do want to go to that next level. It's perfect, right? They're all they're pretty much already brokers, as you've rightfully pointed out. They pretty much structure a deal. So that's definitely a big uh, a big focus for us. Getting more lending analysts into the business, getting more brokers to that hundred mil mark, and then helping those lending analysts become brokers themselves. Yeah. Good, good. Love it. So in terms of, and that's obviously the goal to get um, productivity per broker, but in terms of obviously you get that, there's another part of it, right? which is the lead generation side, which is where a lot of brokers. So tell me how, how you go about sort of, you know, generating that to so that you can feed a hundred million dollars worth of business for these guys. Yeah. Well, we've, we've always been a referral based business. So we've worked closely with real estate agents in the past. Um, we've got a reasonable size builder that does about 900 uh, to a thousand homes a year that we work with. So it's definitely been referrers in the past, but what we're realizing now is that that that's not going to scale our business mm-hmm. um, for a couple of reasons. You're, you're, you're reliant on market conditions and obviously you're reliant on a third party. So, but definitely real estate agents, we've probably built our business around them and accountants, I would suggest. And, you know, we've got a really compelling um, offer. I, I feel for accountants because we, uh, we, we provide, mortgages obviously resi and commercial uh, we have an asset finance division and we also have a, a financial planning business as well uh, with four financial planners in that business that's been going since 2012 so for us as an account um, as a as, as an offer to an accountant we're really compelling because we can handle most of their financial services mm. so you know there's little tricks um, around working with accountants and real estate agents um, I built the business really through just picking the phones up and trying to get in front of people. And, you know, I would ring every single real estate agent uh, that I saw in a contract service the hell out of them. And then we'd go from there. So, you know, I think there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of brokers or there's a lot of relationships inside real estate um, groups that don't work that well, you know, because there's just no real relationship there. There Mm -hmm. might be more of a lead gen um, system. So I think, I think brokers just, need to continuously be on the phones, continuously need to be in front of people. And it sounds old school, but it works. You know, I, I, I would encourage brokers to almost act like a real estate agent, hit you 100 calls a, 
a week and you'll get and you'll get results and that's what I used to do when I started and we kind of built it out from there but I guess with the with the team that we have now and the different service offerings it puts us in a really good position to go after big relationships so and that's that's my role in business now um, is to go after those big relationships from a corporate point of view and try and handle a, um, a whole real estate network you know not 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 just a, um, a particular agent or agents and then accounting businesses as well. Um, but we're realizing now that that's not going to scale our business and we want to have the ability to turn leads on quickly. Um, so di- digital marketing um, is a big part of our um, of our future and we've, we've just committed probably our biggest investment ever. Um, much bigger than bringing on some support staff. We've committed our biggest investment ever to to build out our big our di- digital marketing presence, and probably two months into that journey now, um, we're looking to switch the leads on in the next month or two. So, yeah, we're a little bit nervous but confident. But um, yeah, that's that's the next phase for us, and just yeah. having some really good internal um, processes around educating our clients on what we do. Like we've been in business since two thousand seven, so making our clients or helping our clients understand how we can help them through the different service offerings that we have, um, having a good marketing platform, um, a good C- uh, CRM, like we've just gone, um, we've gone down the journey with HubSpot, which has been great, you know, building out our client journeys. Um, yeah. Just, just going a little bit further um, than, than working with real estate agents. Yeah. Love it. Love it. And yeah, you, know, you mentioned so many good things there, right? In terms of obviously, you've got to be able to add value on many different levels to referral partners. And again, it, you didn't speak about what they can give me. It's about how you can be a value to their business. So I think that's the cornerstone of any referral relationship. Focus on you know the service that you can provide to them. And even when you mentioned you know getting a contract for sale in. It's not about, oh, I'd service the hell out of them to make sure that, you know, hey, we've done something to earn the right to get a referral business. We've actually given something before we can get something. Mm. And, you know, through all the successful brokers, what I see is that those who are prepared to put their stuff aside and really focus on how we can serve this, you know, partnership, then that's the business that you're going to get from it. and then, obviously, as you said, as you go and scale, um, because a lot of this is your legwork and sort of building these relationships, you're going to have to get to the point where you do it from a marketing perspective, right? Because there's only so much that a business, and again, I, I was speaking to someone the other day and saying where a lot of business go into the den zone is between that 10 and 20 mil, right? In terms of turnover, mm-hmm. they go into, because it's no longer a smaller business. We can't just go and shake the tree anymore, right? To, to make things happen, we've got to look at things a little bit differently, right? To, to make things happen. And this is what you're talking about with, hey, we've got to move away from this model and we've got to go down a path of marketing, right? We've got to, so we can turn those taps on, invest and not invest. Um, so we get those consistent volumes. So it's really interesting you say that. Yeah, and you have to continuously be reinvesting too, you know. And 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 I think this is the hardest thing. But we have a certain amount of money that goes aside most years, and that's to growing the business. And you know, we we have to really work out what our net profit, what well, what net profit margins we're comfortable with 
and what growth rate we're comfortable with. Because we could we could shut everything down and and tight, tighten the purse strings and have an amazing profit. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've we've made a decision as a as a leadership team and as shareholders to continue to grow the business, and that involves a lot of reinvestment. So you just it's 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 the mindset, and 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 this is what I'm learning, Ross, as I continue to go down the journey of building a business that. I'm learning what a, what bigger businesses do, you know, and and bigger businesses reinvest all the time, systems, processes, marketing. Otherwise, we're not going to grow. So, yeah, so it's it's, it's definitely the case. But being uh being being comfortable with investing money is another big thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's interesting, and uh, I know you know from being in businesses like Aussie, where you have a range of different leads and referrals and uh, digital leads and so forth. Uh, The thing, it'll be interesting to see how you go with this, is the challenge from your brokers, they're used to dealing with a certain sort of lead, which is more a referral-based lead or an existing client, to dealing with a digital lead, right? And, you know, some businesses are going down the thing where we'll we'll put business development managers in because we know they're a different type of lead. So we're going to manage those first and we're going to qualify them. So because we know that our brokers may not go down that path, right? So mm. the other thing you can do is we'll train your brokers on, hey, this is a different style of lead and yeah. you're going to deal with it differently. What, what's your thoughts around dealing with it, with that? It's it's a good, it's a really good point. And I'm glad you brought it up because it's something that we haven't had great discussions around. And I, I think the reason we haven't is because we find that, our busy brokers are just just create more business. So if you've got a broker that's working really closely with real estate agents, and yeah, to your point, those are, those leads are really warm. Clients have either transacted or they're about to transact. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're pretty easy deals, I guess. And, you know, they're buying a million dollar houses in Melbourne and, and, and whatnot. So I think giving those brokers that are really busy with those uh, referrers, online leads won't work. I, I don't think it will. And and what, what we find with our quality brokers is once they're two years in our system, 50% of their business is self-generated. It's not coming from us because there's word of mouth, those clients are then referring. So their reliance on our business goes from here to here. And then, and then they just become more reliant on us for the ecosystem and the support and getting them to that next level. So we, I guess where we see the, the online lead gen come in is, really for the brokers that are new to the business, mm-hmm. um, whether they're new to the business or not that um, not that far down the track um, as far as being in the industry goes, that are going to be willing to jump on those leads and work those leads until they get to a level where they've got their own pipeline. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like construction. Construction's similar. You know, the, the busy brokers don't want to touch it um, for obvious reasons. You know, it's a long play. Mm-hmm. Um, you generally got lower loan amounts, but our younger brokers come in and they're like, I'll have a crack at that because I'm talking to first homeowners are on my level. So I think we'll just have to be careful about who gets those leads. And if I look at a big part of growing our business, it's not just the lead gen, but it's bringing people in to be writers. And we're just going to have to be different as far as letting people come in who maybe aren't that um, experienced mm. and we need lead flow to get them experienced. They need to be constantly on the phones, ringing people, Having setbacks, you know, having conversations, getting deals over the line. So, I I just think it'll be used as a tool for new brokers coming in, um, not so much the brokers that are you know already flat out and can really generate their own lead flow. 
Yeah, love it, love it. And mm. uh, I heard those sort of leads that you have to nurture be be said they're a bit like your investment portfolio, right? You're not gonna you're not gonna profit from them there. It's like that term deposit that you put in for two or three years time. Hey, yeah. I'll, I'll nurture them and I'll. Uh, yeah. We'll get it when it invests, right? We wouldn't, yeah. you know, say, oh, no, I don't want that. That's a shit term deposit. I'll throw it yeah. away. Yeah. You wouldn't do that, right? You'd, you'd keep the certificate and you'd, you'd cash it in. And uh, But I hear a lot of brokers saying that, you know, digital leads, oh, they're shit, you know, they're crap or whatever. Yeah. Uh, but again, you got to look at them in a different light. You got to yeah. And I'll, you've also got to find a way or an efficient way to nurture them. And that's... A, a, a big part of what I'm doing with our what, what we're doing with our digital marketing, it's not just about the lead gen. That's actually coming last. The first part of the group that's come in that's that's looking at what we're doing is building out our client journey. So when those leads do come in, and if they're not ready to go, what journey do they then go on to nurture them to get ready? Because we can't expect that we're going to scale and have brokers call these clients once a week. And just see where they're up to. They have to come into our business and go on some sort of marketing journey based on where they are in their life cycle. Um, so that when they are ready to transact, we're the ones that they call. So it's just finding a smart way to nurture those clients, which most big businesses do. And um, as I said, I'm saying big business and we're not there yet, but I think we're just getting away from that small business mortgage broker. We're now a legitimate financial services business and we need to start thinking about how the other guys do it, you know, um, which is why we're going down this journey. Yeah, love that. Love that. And um, yeah, there's so much truth in that, right? Because someone playing around on a, a website calculator or that sort of digital type lead, as you said, and, and I teach they can be in three areas, right? They can be, they can be cold, they can be warm or they can be hot, right? And you need a, a nurture for the cold ones. You need a nurture for the warm ones and you need a, a nurture process for the hot ones, right? Yeah. So um, because, again, most brokers want them to to walk yeah. in ready to go uh, yeah. as a hot. Um, but it doesn't happen that way, right? So love it. Yeah. I mean, we could talk for hours, right? Yeah, we could. <laughs> we're just sort of scratching the surface in terms <laughs> of, you know, what we're, we're getting into and I'm really enjoying... Um, the, the the chat but i'm mindful of your time and uh i want to i want to wrap this up so in terms of uh one of the things i ask everyone right so if you are a broker who wants to take your business to the next level what do you think is your most important tip for somebody looking to do that um for me it's find support within your business from a management point of view like if, if I look back at what's really putting us in a great position now, it's our leadership team. So, you know, we spoke about bringing in a CSM, depending on where you, what your level is or bringing in a lending analyst. Um, that's great, but that'll still just be you and the lending analyst or you and the CSM. If it's a business that you want to build, you need someone else that's going to build it with you, um, whether that's a general manager, uh, sales manager or whatnot. So, as much as you're focusing on your support to write more business, start to think beyond that and think about, okay, well, who do I actually need to help me grow this thing? I've got all the ideas and I've got all connections with referrers and whatnot, but who's going to implement all these ideas and who's going to make sure the ship still runs while I'm out there trying to start the business. So, you know, I think for me, 
And, and as I said earlier, we just continue to find new roles in our business because these new roles come up and we know that, you know, Geordie, our general manager now, he's now starting to delegate because he just hasn't got the time to do the stuff that I used to get him to do. And he now really just focuses on projects. How do we make our business better? Mm. So yeah, think beyond that CSM, think beyond that lending analyst, think about the key person in your business who's going to basically make shit happen for you um, and then continue to build on those people. That's probably the one thing um, that's really changed the game for me is bringing people around me. Love it, love it. The mm. old who, not how um, mm. is a game changer. And, you know, I can see why you've you've got where you've got to. Obviously having that vision that, hey, I don't want to just be a broker. I want to create that business is really the takeaway that I've uh, taken from you. You being the leader, setting that vision, doing the work, putting that personal development in to continue to grow yourself to ultimately grow your people and uh, grow the business. So, mm. so much gold there. So much gold. Thanks uh, so much for being part of the Billion Dollar Broker Post, uh, podcast, Nick. No worries. Thanks for having me, mate. I enjoyed it. It's a good chat. And we could talk, talk for hours, but we, uh, we're both on schedule. So. Exactly. Yeah. So this has been another episode of the Billion Dollar Broker Podcast. Uh, a couple of ways, if you'd like to stay in contact, we've got a Facebook group called the Billion Dollar Broker. So join the private group. Uh, we put lots of free stuff there. Uh, if you uh, want to subscribe to the podcast, we're on all the, the different channels, so you can subscribe there. If you'd like to learn more about us and our coaching programs, um, please reach out. Uh, send me a message on um, LinkedIn or send an email to contact at rosslacane.com.au or visit our website, billiondollarbroker.com.au. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.